This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. As I was sprinting through the darkening woods, I began to hear what I thought were church bells. I looked up to see the darkest, deepest cloud I have ever seen in my life. I looked and saw that it was a woman's hand with red nail polish on the doorknob. Whoever was there slowly closed the door just as they had opened it. He leaves. We quickly lock the door and watch him sit in the truck outside. We were not about to exit the shop until he was gone. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Manly Bands for supporting Disturbed. Manly Bands helps men find wedding bands that fit their personality and their budget with unique and stylish designs. To get 21% off your Manly Band for a limited time and get a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com disturbed. Welcome back in everyone, and thanks for joining me. A little business to tend to at the top of the show. First, if you're an iPhone user, You can now get our Patreon benefits of ad-free and bonus episodes directly in the Apple Podcasts app. Just click the subscribe button. Now this is a paid feature for $4.99 a month, the same as our mid-tier Patreon level. And it's a great way to support the show while getting some extra benefits in the Apple Podcasts app. And speaking of those benefits, we've added a sponsorship tier to our Patreon program. So if you have interest in sponsoring the show on a personal level, you can enjoy the title of Patreon sponsor along with a 15 second segment in the show to introduce yourself as a sponsor and shout out a website or project of your choice. You can get the full details over at patreon.com slash disturbed podcast or find the link in the show notes of this episode. Now on that Patreon page, you'll need to hit the little button that says see all four levels and the fourth option will appear and space is extremely limited for our sponsorship program. So if you are interested, you'll want to act fast. All right, that's enough of that. Today, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that are just perfect for spooky season. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with our title story coming to us from Reddit user BBabyTurnsBlue, featuring voice work by Tanya E.B. And we get lost in the woods... I grew up in a densely forested rural area in central Virginia. And like most kids my age, 10 at the time of this story, I spent a lot of time playing in and around the woods. My best friend and I had found a creek one day while exploring different deer trails through the woods. This creek we happened on was a very rare find and the perfect spot for us to play. It was wide and deep enough to swim around in and had nice soft mossy banks on either side to rest on after we had tired ourselves out. The water was cool and clear. No copperheads, and no mosquitoes, because the water was constantly running. We were psyched. After a few hours of swimming, we had to walk back home for lunch, but made plans to pack lunch the next day 
so we could have a picnic on the creek banks and spend the whole day there. The next morning, we set out for the woods at around 1 p.m., planning to have the picnic first and swim after. We entered at the same spot we had the previous day and followed what we thought was the same deer trail. It was not. At the point where we should have found the creek, we walked into a small clearing that was covered in huge, thick ferns. We had definitely never walked past this before. So, being both hungry and tired of walking, we decided to eat in the clearing. We laughed and played around there for a while, spitting watermelon seeds at each other from our lunch. It was an absolute blast, and we were both in wonderful, giddy moods. That all changed, however, as soon as we packed up and set back out to find the creek. As we walked on, the woods started to feel darker and colder. We got skittish, and I noticed my friend kept whipping her head around to look behind us. After about a half hour of walking, we came up on what looked like an entire overgrown bathroom. Sink, toilet, and bathtub all sitting arranged together and covered in ivy. It's pretty common to find weird shit like this in the middle of the woods, so we just walked on and made jokes to lighten the mood, calling it Bigfoot's bathroom. After another hour of walking and not seeing anything we recognized, we started to panic. Instead of trying to reach the creek, we were now just trying to find our way back home or out of the woods, at least. I told her we should follow the sun, and eventually we would come up on a road or someone's property where we could find help. She insisted on another way, and we began yelling at each other out of fear and, let's be honest, little girl bossiness. I told her if she thought she was so right she should just go her way and we could see who got out first. So we split up. Now, as an adult, I fully acknowledge I was being a stubborn brat and also an idiot. Worst possible thing we could have done. Not 10 minutes after splitting up, I began to hear someone walking maybe 100 feet behind me. Thinking it was my friend deciding to go my way after all, I slow down so she can catch up to me. Instead, whatever it was matched my pace. I slow down, it slows down. I stop, it stops. This went on for hours. The whole time I was going back and forth on whether or not it was in my head or there was really something following me. I picked up a big stick swung it a few times to make sure it was sturdy if I had to hit someone, and trucked on. As it began to get dark, I came up on something that made my heart sink into my stomach. It was Bigfoot's bathroom. I had just walked in a huge circle for hours, despite being 100% sure I was following the setting sun west the entire time. Confused and frustrated, I sat down on a log and just screamed my little heart out while smacking my whoop-ass stick repeatedly into the ground. As I tried to collect myself, I heard the footsteps again walking up on me from behind. I called out my friend's name as loud as I could. No answer. Then, after a short pause, the steps began to run towards me. I jumped up and booked it as fast as I could in the opposite direction. Now, this is the truly horrifying part which I typically omit when telling people this story. As I was sprinting through the darkening woods, I began to hear what I thought were church bells. I looked up to see the darkest, deepest cloud I have ever seen in my life. In the middle, it was so black, it was like looking into the night sky, and the dark gray around it seemed to be swirling. It gave me a horrible feeling to look at it, almost like the nausea you get when looking through binoculars too long. What sickened me further is that I realized the sound of the bells was coming through the hole in the cloud. They were deafeningly loud, I mean really booming out of this thing. When I realized this, I stopped dead in my tracks. I felt a sense of absolute and overwhelming dread 
that has gone unmatched in all my 24 years on this planet. Something in my head began screaming that if I did not run away from whatever the hell that cloud was, no one would ever see me again. I would be gone. I did not want to run toward the thing chasing behind me either, though, so I made a sharp right and took off away from both. It was now completely dark, and I was running blind through the woods, smacking through branches, wheezing and tripping every few feet, for what seemed like another hour. Until I smacked into something low and flew over it, hitting the ground so hard, all the air in my lungs was knocked out of me. As I lay there trying to recover, I realized I couldn't hear the bells anymore. Then my eyes adjusted more to the dark, and I realized what had just made me go ass over teeth was an old fence. Grabbing hold of it, I prayed it would lead me to a farm. And sure enough, it did. I walked up over a hill about a mile to the back of the farmhouse, explained what had happened, and the farmer graciously gave me a ride back home. I was covered head to toe in scrapes, oozing blood, and more exhausted than I had ever been in my life. But I was finally safe. It was past 9 p.m. when I finally walked through my front door. My friend had gotten back shortly after we split, and figured I had as well, so I hadn't told anybody I was lost. And my family just figured I was still out after dark, which wasn't uncommon for me. They were shocked when I walked in beat up and crying. Nobody had been looking for me at all. To this day, I wonder how long they would have waited to come find me if I hadn't been lucky enough to find the fence, and if it would have been too late. Are you loving this show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. Next up, we hear from Reddit user HeartX3Jess with voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we get an unwelcome surprise at home. My boyfriend, who I live with, works as a teacher in a town about 15 minutes away by train. He gets home more or less at the same time every day, give or take an hour or so. I, on the other hand, work from home. In late January of this year, we'd gotten in a pretty big fight about something stupid. I can't even remember what it was about, but it was one of those fights where we didn't speak to each other, text, call, or anything the whole next day. So, this afternoon, I was lying in bed getting work done. It was a Tuesday, and I was pretty sure his last class finished at 1 p.m. on Tuesdays, meaning he'd surely be home at 2.30. But around 1 p.m., I heard the front door open and shut. I thought, huh, I guess he's home an hour early today. It was normal for him to skip his last class every once in a while, so I didn't really think anything of it. In fact, I was mostly mentally preparing for the awkward post-fight, hey, how's it going conversation. So I continued to lie in bed and do my work, and wait for him to come in and change his clothes. The bedroom door was closed and I had earplugs sort of half in, as I usually do when I'm working. But I could hear the heavy footsteps of him walking around the apartment, as he always does. If we hadn't been mid-bite and I wasn't so preoccupied with the awkwardness of it all, I might have noticed it was strange how slow the footsteps were or how long he spent walking around the living room but I was caught up in the dramatics of the fight 
and didn't think about it. I was just lying there, waiting, waiting, waiting for him to finally come in. Finally, the bedroom door slowly opened just a few inches. I turned my head towards the door and prepared to give him a sort of awkward, we've been fighting for 24 hours, huh, smile. But the door didn't open more than a few inches. I looked and saw that it was a woman's hand with red nail polish on the doorknob. Whoever was there slowly closed the door just as they had opened it, without entering the room. I jumped out of bed, ripped out my earplugs, and sort of froze there for a few seconds while thinking rapidly. My first thought, that was not my boyfriend. Then I thought, could that have been his mom? His sister? The landlady? For some reason, I concluded that surely it was his mom or sister. So I opened the bedroom door and walked into the living room. There wasn't anyone there, but the room smelled heavily of women's perfume. Then I came to my senses and realized his mom and sister don't have keys and have never come over before. The landlady has never entered without permission. This was a stranger. I ran back into the bedroom and shut the door, now shaking heavily. There is a balcony connected to the bedroom, so despite the cold January rain, I stood on the balcony and called my boyfriend. He picked up, and I asked him if his mom or sister might come over unannounced. He told me, No, don't move. I'm calling the police. The police were there in minutes and searched the whole apartment. Of course, nobody was there by this point. It was weird, though. Nothing was missing from the apartment, despite us keeping a jar full of money right in the entrance. Nothing was even touched. In fact, it seemed like the intruder came straight to the bedroom, saw my legs on the bed, panicked, and left. Plus, you can't open that big wooden front door without a key. For a few days, my boyfriend and I were convinced it was just the landlady being nosy. I began to feel better. Nevertheless, we demanded that the landlady change our locks. When she came to change them with her husband, she made a discovery. There was a square area by the keyhole that had been scratched away with something. The landlady said surely someone used tools to break into the apartment. Then, a day or two later, my boyfriend told me, I have to tell you something, but don't freak out. He told me that the orange kitchen scissors were missing. I obviously freaked out. I tore the apartment apart looking for the scissors. It's been six months and those scissors are gone. So the whole thing is just creepy and weird. A stranger breaks into a nice apartment but doesn't touch or take anything valuable. Not even the money jar sitting right in the entrance. Takes the scissors from the kitchen, goes straight to the bedroom, sees someone in bed, and immediately leaves. I never got to meet the person who opened the door that day. I hope I never do. This episode is brought to you by Manly Bands, helping men find wedding bands that fit their personality and their budget with unique and stylish designs. And you guys probably know, a lot of men out there really don't like shopping, and even more so when it comes to rings. 
there's a lot of men that don't even know their ring size. I didn't know mine. And I don't know, how do you find out your ring size on your own? Well, no worries. Manly Bands has this really cool, unique ring sizer. It's gonna give you the perfect ring size using just an app on your phone. Now that's really cool. And once you have that ring size, then comes the fun part. You get to choose from their huge selection of different materials like gold, wood, antler, steel, and even listen to this, dinosaur bone. You can get a dinosaur bone ring. And once you've made that choice, you're gonna get free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a completely free warranty. You're not gonna beat that anywhere else. And you know straight up, if something happens, you're gonna be covered and good to go. Now, I was on their website browsing around, and honestly, I was blown away at all the different types of rings they have. They really do have something for everyone, no matter what your preference is. So of course, I went ahead and took advantage of that free shipping, and I grabbed myself the best man, a silicone style ring. Now, I went with black, but you can choose from light gray, navy, royal, and red. And I gotta tell you, I'm really excited to get mine and see exactly how it feels. And they've even got different curated collections like the Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection. Now, they've already got great prices, but you know I'm going to bring disturbed listeners an even better deal. So to get 21% off your Manly Band for a limited time, go to manlybands.com disturbed. Plus, you'll get a free silicone ring, just like I did. That's manlybands.com disturbed for 21% off for a limited time. But you gotta use our special link to take advantage of the deal. And guys, just remember this. When you go ahead and use our special links and codes, it's a great way to support the podcast while getting an awesome deal. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, 
culture and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the horror. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Coming up next, we hear from Reddit user Hiccups Capone, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel, and we do everything possible to avoid the creepy customer. This happened when I was in high school, long ago. My mom just recently found the paperwork about it when she cleaned out her office upon retiring from the police department. I remember being upset and scared when it happened, but reading the details as an adult... It sounded even worse than I remembered. I was 17 years old, working at a flower and gift shop. It's nighttime. A man comes in. Short, overweight, balding, 40s, creepy. He tells me about how he needs an apology gift for his girlfriend. So I offer a bouquet, obviously. It's a flower shop. He says she doesn't like flowers because they die. This was the first weird thing, as he came into a flower shop. Then he goes into detail about how he hit her and asks me if I think he was right to do so. This was long ago, so I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of not if you want her to continue being your girlfriend. He then tells me what a great job I'm doing and asks when I get off work. I dodge answering. He leaves. Nothing for six months. Then, right before Valentine's Day, He walks in the door one minute before close. It was dark, and from the outside, it looked like I was working alone as my co-worker, a 40-year-old female, was in the bathroom. Instinctively, it felt like a predator had just entered the room. You know when something isn't right, and everything felt not right. I then notice he has a tarnished revolver tucked into the front of his windbreaker, which is halfway unzipped. It was obvious he wanted it seen. I quickly scribbled a note to my coworker that said, he has a gun and handed it to her when she came out of the bathroom. She calmly walked to the phone and looked at me, wordlessly asking if she should call the cops. I shook my head no, as I felt like it would escalate the situation. God forbid he heard the police coming and took us hostage or something. I was just going to try and act as calm and normal as I could and hopefully not tip the situation into something more dangerous. He spends 15 minutes wandering around the fairly small shop. In retrospect, he was probably waiting to see if my coworker would leave as it was now well past closing. Finally, he places an order for pickup on Valentine's Day, which gives me his name and the info I need for the police report I'm sure as hell about to file. He buys a card and pulls out a wad of $100 bills which he slowly thumbs through as though looking for the right one with which to pay for his $40 order. I ask him if he wants a bag, as it wouldn't be very inconspicuous if he just showed up at home with the Valentine's card. He replies, No, I don't feel like being inconspicuous tonight, which seemed like an obvious reference to the gun hanging out of his coat. He leaves. We quickly lock the door and watch him sit in the truck outside. We were not about to exit the shop until he was gone. Finally, he pulls out of his parking spot and moves to another spot further away and continues to just sit there. I don't know how long we waited, but he finally left. I called my mom crying, 
she called the police who came to the shop the next day to take a report. I told my best friend at the time what happened. She told her mother. Her mother happened to work with the man and inform security at her job. She said he was very weird, creepy, and liked to talk about weapons a lot. Security at his job, it's a large company with government contracts and things having to deal with tech and security, pulled him into the office and questioned him about it. He claimed it was a glove in his pocket, not a revolver. The police were pissed that his company made contact with him before they did, and he successfully dodged the cops' multiple calls and visits to his apartment. My mom, much to my teen fury at the time, made me quit my job, which was devastating as I loved it there. In retrospect, totally the right call. Dude came in on Valentine's Day and picked up his order. I never saw him again. Are you terrified yet? You will be. And finally, we have an email submission from Billy, featuring voice work by Melissa Medina, and we say hello to the man in the brown coat. My story spans approximately four years. When I was 14, my grandma was extremely sick. She was hospitalized. Even at 14, I knew she was not likely to recover. My cousin Brad and I were extremely close. We were three years apart and acted more like siblings. I was constantly at his house and frequently spent summers and vacations on his family's farm. When my gram was in the hospital, we were in the middle of February vacation, and as usual, I was at Brad's. At some point, we found my aunt's Ouija board. Neither of us had ever used one, but we had both seen it used on TV. We spent quite a bit of time asking typical teen questions, if we'd be rich, if famous people would marry us, uh, what we'd be when we grew up, typical teen stuff. In between laughing, Brad looked at me. Billy, do you think grandma's going to die? I shrugged my shoulders. Let's ask. I started just as I saw on TV. Brad and I both put our pointer and middle fingers on the pointer. Spirit, is Graham going to die? The pointer quickly went to yes. My thought was, we both know she was going to die. Everyone is going to die. Spirit, I started again. Can you tell us when? The pointer picked up speed and touched on four numbers. Three, one, five, two. And then pointed to goodbye and flung off the bed. Brad and I looked at each other in silence. At that moment, the house phone rang. I grabbed it. It was Brad's brother's girlfriend. His brother was seven years older than him and four years older than me. I told her what had just happened. She chastised us for playing with the board, told us we were overreacting, and in a tone of annoyance, instructed us to stop playing with things we didn't understand and to put it away. Brad and I blamed each other for moving the pointer and argued about trying to scare each other. Typical brother-sister teen argument. After we were done playing the blame game, we tried to figure out what 3152 could possibly mean. Three days later, we were back in the hospital waiting room. Our other cousins were there, but as usual, Brad and I were tucked away together. My mom and Brad's mom came into the room and told us it was time to say goodbye. We walked over to my grandma's side, each of us on one side of her hospital bed. 
I heard Brad say goodbye and I followed suit. At that moment, our eyes met and our gaze slowly moved to the clock where the small hand pointed to one and the large hand at 52. My gram died three days later with the hands of the clock pointing at one and 52. And as the nurse turned off the alarm that alerted a flatline, I heard Brad whisper, Billy. I just shushed him and shook my head, no. After the funeral, we told people what happened that day with the Ouija board. Only our moms believed us. Everyone else thought we were telling stories. Brad and I grew up together and maintained our close friendship. We went to the same high school. Our friends were convinced we were brother and sister instead of cousins. As the time passed, my experiences with the paranormal seemed to be just beginning. I'd often see a man in a brown leather duster jacket and black cowboy hat watching me. This same man haunted my dreams. The only difference was, in my dreams, I was often running from him. I would often chase this apparition through my house, through doors that I knew had closed, that had now mysteriously been opened. He always turned a corner into my parents' bathroom and would vanish in front of a closed door. No one was home when this happened, but the man in the jacket was a young man. He looked to be in his early to mid-twenties. I often mistook him to be my brother. I was terrified to be outside alone, and if it was dark, I'd sing Christmas carols to keep myself from crying. I always made my dog stay with me, and as you can guess, she frequently growled into the open space. Fast forward a few years, I was working at the local gas station. This particular day, my parents had plans to spend the day with friends and family. They planned to leave after I did and stay out late. The plan was for me to meet up with them after work. It was a typical day at work. I worked from 7 to 3 and then went home. My mom and I had the typical mother-teenage-daughter relationship, meaning I knew it all and she was doing her best to keep me from making dumb teenage mistakes. This meant we often didn't see eye to eye. When I got home from work, I walked into my room to change and I was shocked by what I saw. My room had been trashed. My drawers were open and my clothes were pulled out and thrown about my room. I had ferrets at the time and their cages were upside down. My bed was stripped and my mattress was half off the box spring. I had a desk and a bureau that had been swept clean as if someone took their arm and just pushed everything onto the floor. I was pissed. I called my mom on her cell phone. Hey, Billy. She answered. Are you on your way? I snapped. Listen, Mom, if you were looking for something, you could have asked. You didn't need to trash my room. I yelled. Billy, what are you talking about? She replied. I'm talking about you trashing my room and flipping the ferret cages. I mean, you could have killed them. Wait, I haven't been home. She interrupted my rant. Don't you remember I left the house right after you did? After that moment, I remembered. When I was backing out of our long driveway, I saw Mom get into her car. I felt like my heart was going to burst out of my chest. Mom? I whispered. My eyes caught sight of the same man in the brown leather duster with the black hat standing at the edge of the woods outside of my bedroom windows. I couldn't see his eyes, but I saw his mouth curl into a smirk. I think I'm in trouble. I ran to the blinds and pulled them down. I called my dog Daisy and grabbed my comforter and covered us both. 
I could hear my mom yelling my name over the phone. I'm okay, I'm okay, I said. I gotta go. I hung up the phone and had a good cry while my dog looked at me like I was insane. I was too afraid to leave the house, but thankfully my mom came home and we talked about what happened as we put my room back together. We are from Native American heritage, so the spirit world is not taboo in our culture. My mom took me to her Reiki healer, who also happened to come from Native American ancestry. Carol started her session and said that she could feel a dark energy around me. She told me that when I got scared, to call upon St. Michael to sever energy ties and to pull back my energy screened and cleaned and to return others' energy screened and cleaned. I did this every time I felt a presence for the next 10 years. I saw the man less and less as time passed. The last time I saw him, my daughter was eight. She was standing with me on my parents' front porch. It was a snowstorm, and we were looking down the driveway towards my car. And that's when I saw him. He was standing on the driver's side of my car by my rear bumper. In my head, I began reciting the words that Carol had taught me when a tiny voice interrupted me. Mom? Natalie asked. Who's that man? She raised her hand and pointed right in the direction of the man. You saw him? I asked not actually believing that someone else could have possibly seen my tormentor. I did, she replied, seemingly confused. It has been 12 years since I last saw the man in the brown coat, but I will never forget the pure terror that shot through my body every time he appeared. I often wondered if he was just bad energy, if he was an evil spirit, or if perhaps he wasn't malicious at all. I never had the courage to try to ask. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. If you'd like to submit your story and you want your voice heard on the podcast, Simply record your story on your phone or device and email it to mystory@disturbedpodcast.com. Now, if you'd like to type out your story and submit it to one of our narrators, head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit, or you can find us on Reddit. Let's keep those scary stories coming. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, join us on Patreon where you can get early ad-free access and bonus episodes. Head over to patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast or subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts. Now let's shout out our newest patrons. Ryan Maxwell, Nancy Crowley, Alfredo Garcia, Christian Flores, Ann Tucker, Tony Whitliff, and Daisy B. Thanks everyone so much for supporting the show. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.